I'm going to read Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 27. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. Mark's version says there, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? 26. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? In the past, I have been talking quite a bit about our having our mind shaped by the Bible. Having We talked about what's pleasing to God according to the Bible, not according to what we think. We talked about priorities, how praise is a priority to God that in a lot of ways is a bigger priority than it seems to be in my mind and in the mind in general of Christians. And today I just want our, again, our mind to be shaped by Christ and who He is and what He said. And I'll just ask you, is the Bible shocking to you? I guess I should ask first, are you reading the Bible for yourself? If not, you need to be. Whether you're, If you're lost, then you absolutely need to open up the Bible and read what it says. Read about Jesus. Because if you want a relationship with any person, you're not going to find it third person. If you want to know my wife and be friends with her, you don't come to me and just listen to what I say. You go talk to her. You need to find out about Jesus for yourself and not just come here and listen or listen to what your spouse says. You need to know Jesus. So if you're lost, you need to be reading the Bible. And I promise you, you will be shocked if you open up the Bible and read about what Jesus did. You'll be shocked. Uh, If you tried to write a book that shocked you on every page, and on every page you thought, I didn't expect this to happen, I didn't expect this to happen, I didn't expect this to happen, it would be hard to do that. But that's what the Bible is. It's like at every turn Jesus says something shocking. He does the thing you don't expect. It's because He's God. It's because He actually knew what was best. If you're a Christian, you need to be reading the Bible for yourself. You need to know God for yourself. We want our minds shaped by Jesus, by who He was and what He said, and not just getting all our thoughts from what we think or from second hand. But is the Bible shocking to you? Here's, here's a story, I would guess, probably most of you know it like the back of your hand, that you've probably heard this. It'd actually be kind of interesting to know how many times you've heard this preached. Probably like ten times, I would guess, quite a few of you. Does it shock you? So today we're going to talk about two things. What Jesus defines as little faith, and what Jesus defines as great faith. So here's what Jesus said here. O you of little faith, why are you afraid? So what's Jesus actually asking? 
Jesus' standard is, you are in a sinking boat. It says that. It says they were in danger. It says the boat was filling. If you are in a sinking boat and you start to get scared instead of trusting God, that's little faith. Does that surprise you? I mean, can you imagine if you came in this morning and you told me, brother, this week I almost died. I was out at Thousand Hills and I flipped my kayak or whatever. It was filling with water and I was as scared as I've ever been. And I put my head down and I said, oh, you have little faith. You would be like, what is this guy talking about? Well, that's what Jesus did here. That's what Jesus did. So if Jesus has this view on something, and it is totally contrary to the way we would think, then what? We need to have our minds renewed. So I just want to go over here just a brief word uh, of the other times in Matthew that Jesus says, you've got little faith. So I'm just going to go over them really quickly. Uh, you don't need to turn here, but in Matthew, 20, in Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about not having food or clothing. And so this is what he says here in Matthew 6. He says, if, if you're worried, I'm gonna, just going to paraphrase it. If you're worried about not having food or clothing for tomorrow, and you start getting worried and anxious... That's little faith. Oh, you have little faith. Why, why do you doubt? Your Father knows all these things. And if you seek the kingdom first, all these things will be added to you. So Jesus says, if, you have no clo- if, you don't, if you're worried about what you're going to wear tomorrow, and you are worried because you don't have any food, and you start to get scared, well, that's little faith. It shows us what faith is, though, there. It's helpful. It shows us that faith is not, in general, people have this idea of faith that's way up here, and if you ask them, what's faith? They have this real foggy idea, and it's like, that's something to do with God, and it's just fuzzy, it's not clear, but faith isn't like that in the Bible. Faith is trust in who God is. It's not just believing there's, there's optimists out there who could be without food and don't know what they're going to wear tomorrow and be like, yeah, I'm just having faith. I just believe it's going to all turn out well. Well, if, if that is not grounded in who God is, that's not the faith the Bible is talking about. The faith the Bible is talking about is not talking about just general optimism. It's talking about you have a father that's in control and cares about you. And that's who you're trusting. That's what faith is. Faith is... It's faith in God. That's what Mark says. Have faith in God. Jesus said that in Mark. Just a a command. Where is your faith? It's in the person of God. Second time, Matthew talks about having little faith. Is here, we just read it, being in a sinking boat and being scared. Third, uh, Third time, Peter sees Jesus walking on water and he says, Lord, if that's you, call me out. Call me out to yourself. And Jesus says, come. Peter gets out of the boat in a storm. You've got to remember it's a storm. There's waves. And he begins to walk on water. Walk over waves, you know, going up and down. And then he starts to sink. And Jesus says, in a storm... Doubting and starting to sink, he says, Why did you doubt, 
Oh, you of little faith. Next time, Matthew 17, someone brings a demon-possessed boy. It's actually the father who brings him to the disciples, and they couldn't cast out the demon. And Jesus says to them, well, they actually asked Jesus, why couldn't we cast this demon out? Jesus says, because of your little faith. And he also says something interesting there after that. So I'll read this part to you. Jesus rebuked the demon, it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. And the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. So you've got a demon uh, possessed boy. Little faith is not not believing God. When you not believing that God can cast that demon out of the boy, heal the boy. And then listen to what he says after it. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So what does he say? He says, you, you couldn't cast this demon out because of your little faith. If, you only, if your faith could get up to the size of a grain of mustard seed, the smallest seed, just tiny. You couldn't see it if I had one. Um, Dick, you have a mustard seed, don't you? Wasn't, didn't you bring that up? I should ask you for that. Um, he's saying, this, the faith you have is so small. If you could just have a, a, the faith like a mustard seed, then you could move. You could ask God to move a mountain. He would move it. So, faith. Faith is trusting God for to be God, to be who He is, to do what He said. Are these the things you would say are little faith? Would you have said, oh, little faith is when you're walking on water and you start to doubt? Of course not. You know, this is totally radical. So we want to have our minds renewed to see what it is. Well, what is, why does Jesus have this perspective? We want to believe the way Jesus believed. We want to see things the way Jesus saw things, because Jesus saw things rightly. If Jesus calls something little faith, we want to call it little faith. If Jesus calls something great faith, we want to call it great faith. And we want to rethink and try and understand these things. So here's my understanding of this passage. There's two things that they did not have faith uh, that it's clear they didn't have faith about. They didn't trust God about. They didn't believe God to be who He was. And the first thing is they didn't believe what God said about His love. We see that from the passage in Mark who adds one extra word. Uh, I guess two extra words. He says, Do you not care that we perish? Do you not care that we perish? What He means is, I thought you loved us. I thought you cared about us, but we're going to die. Second is his sovereignty, his total control, the power of God. We see this We see this in their reaction to what Jesus did. The men marveled 
and said, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? They were shocked when God was in total control. When Jesus, God in the flesh, was in total control, they were surprised. And so these two things they didn't believe, and Jesus calls this little faith. So let's start with just the first one. The love of God. They forgot. They did not believe. They didn't act out the truth that God loved them. Well, let's start small and work our way up. The first thing they didn't believe is that God even loved them as much as God loves any other creature. In Psalms 145.7, God says all His works, it says that all God's works are kind. Everything God is doing is kind. To everything. It's not just to men. It's God provides for every animal its food. He sends rain on every plant for growth. He gives the sun. It says in Proverbs 12.10 that the righteous has regard for the life of his beast, but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. So it's saying a good man cares about his animal dying. The wicked doesn't care at all. Well, we know God's good. We know, we know that righteous men aren't more righteous than God. Right? So God cares even about a beast that dies. Matthew 10, it says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one will fall to the ground apart from your father? So God cares even for the sparrow that falls to the ground. If they believed what God said just about His creation in general, they would have known God cared. But that's just the lowest level. You can believe at least that, right? But even more than that, God actually has special love for men. That's what the Bible teaches. In, in 2 Peter 3.9 it says that God doesn't wish that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Every single man on the earth, God actually has a desire in his heart that they not perish. He actually wants them to repent, to know God. There's another passage in Genesis where God says that... I'm going to turn there. God says that He has a special care for men, even above animals. And God says that... For your lifeblood, that's man's, I will require a reckoning from every beast I will require it, and from every man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Six, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. This is in Genesis 9, 5 and 6. So what does God say there? God says, if a beast kills a man... I will have judgment on the beast because the, man, the life of man is precious. And if a man kills a man, I will require that blood on him because man is precious and made in the image of God. So here, we're talking about every man. If you killed the most wicked man on earth today, if you murdered him, God would look down on you 
and would count that murder on your head because that man was made in the image of God and God loves and cares about every single man on the earth. That's amazing. So why, is that, why am I bringing all this up? When Jesus says little faith, they have to forget even these little things. They have to think God, doesn't even, God cares less about me than He cares about the birds. That's what they're saying, right? When they say, don't you care? That's, that's shocking, right? It's shocking. But we can go further. It's not just that we're men. The Bible says that if you're a Christian, that you're a servant of Christ. You're a slave of Christ. That's what Paul says about himself in almost all of his letters at the beginning. Paul a servant of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And for every person that's a Christian, we've become a servant of Christ. So we're not just... It's even a level above just men in general. It's my servant. In this case, it was Peter. My servant Peter. My servant John. My servant Andrew. My servant and all the twelve. He had called them, right? To be disciples. To follow Him. That's what happens when you become a servant of God. He's, it's a special love towards you. He actually loves you and He's calling you into His service. I mean, just earlier here in this specific chapter, Matthew chapter 8, the centurion in verse 5, when, when he entered Copernicum, the centurion came forward appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said, I, and Jesus said, <laughs> I will come and heal him. So here we, here we are. Here's a Roman soldier. He cares about his servant more than the disciples thought God cared about them. That's, that's wrong. God is better than the centurion. God cares and loves his servants more. And the centurion, when he looked down and he saw, man, my servant is suffering, my servant's dying. He thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. I'm going to cry out to God. I'm going to go to Jesus. He cared. He loved him. He didn't just say, oh, uh, I don't care if he dies. He's just a servant. Well, how much more God to us? And I just want to say something to you if you're lost here today. You're not God's servant. You're, you're not. But God does love you. And He's actually offering you to be His servant. That's that's what it said there in first and second Peter three nine. It says God doesn't God does not want you to perish. God is actually calling you to repent. The fact that you're here today, that you're alive and you haven't died yet, you have an opportunity to repent today and to know God, to be a servant of God, to be a, to be the bride of God, to be the child of God, to have your sins forgiven. So from here on when I'm talking about love, if you're lost, you can't enter into these things. If you haven't repented, if you're not trusting Jesus, but there's an open door. You can, you could be at the end of the day, you could be a Christian. You could be able to say, no, I am a child of God. No, I am a servant of God. Jesus has washed away my sins. So what else? Even more than a servant, God loves us as as a bride. 
That's what that's what Ephesians says, that we're that the church is the bride of Christ. Think about that. That song we just sang that that we're the bride I wish some maybe somebody can tell me exactly how it went. That with his blood he bought her, what was the part just before that? To be his holy bride. That's right. To be his holy bride. Christ died to purchase a bride, the church. And that's you if you have really trusted Christ. That's amazing. Do you realize how horribly wicked and wrong it is to say that men on earth love their wives more than God loves His people? That's wrong. What they were believing here during this storm was that, well, we know Peter was married, and so pick on Peter a lot, unfortunately, but but what they're actually saying is, well, I love my wife more than God loves me. That's not true. That's not true. That's why it's such little faith. What did they have to believe about God to, to believe during this thing that God loved them? Hardly anything. They, if, if they had to, all they had to believe was that, that they're the creature of God and God is good enough to love, their, to love His creatures. Surely we can all agree on that, that God loves His creatures. But they could go further than that. They could say, no, not only that, I'm a man. I'm made in the image of God, and God loves me more than He loves the beasts of the field. But more than that, if you're a Christian, you're a servant of God. Surely God cares about me. I'm His servant. He called me into His service. If I'm dying, if I'm perishing, God cares. Well, more than that, Not only am I a servant, I'm His bride. He loves me and died for me to purchase me to be with Himself forever. There's no way that He's going to look down and see me dying and think, I don't care about them. That's just my wife. That's just my bride. No, there's no way. If David, in 1 Samuel 30, chapter 4, all the wives of all of David's party are taken captive from Ziklag, And David was not the best husband. He had multiple wives, and he did a lot of things wrong. But when they took his wives, him and all his men, it says, quote, wept till they had no more strength to weep. It's natural to love your wife. If David wept till they had no more strength to weep about his wife, is God... Is God less loving than David? Is God less loving than you? Is God less loving than me? Absolutely not. Infinitely more. The only reason we know about love is because God has showed us love. What about a child? A child. God has called you to be a child. To be His child. To be adopted, Ephesians says, into the family of God. A child? Do you realize that what they're saying when they say, Lord, don't you care? They're saying, God's a father that could see his children die and not care. That is not true. And when you see it for what it is, you know it's not true. You know God is not a God who would look down and see a child, his child dying and say, don't care. That's not true. That's so wrong. It has to be confronted. You have to say, no, that's wrong. 
You need to not believe about God like that. That's a lie. That's, that's like the lie Satan told Adam and Eve in the garden. It's like, God doesn't really care. God's not really looking out for your good. That's so bad. It's so bad that Jesus had to confront them here in the middle of His storm. They were, I mean, they were in a sinking boat and Jesus stops to tell them, Oh, you of little faith. And then He calms the storm. It's pretty amazing. I have a story that I'm not going to share with you because it's too... It's just too sad. It's it's this it's a story from a newspaper about a family that had a party for their new baby and the baby dies through their they forgot about the baby. And it is so sad. It's like I just don't want it in your mind. It's so sad. In Isaiah 49:15 it says, Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. If you say that God has forgotten you, that God doesn't love you, that God does not care about you in the situation you're in now, you're saying that God that God's worse than almost than than almost all the parents in the world. That is so wrong. God loves you so much. He loves you more. God made families. God made parents to show us, just give us a glimpse. I love you so much that I've called you. I've adopted you into my family. God didn't have to make us into families. He did it to show us how much He loves us. Angels don't have families. Angels aren't having children. God made us specifically in a special way. And then He called us His children. And not only that, it's so much beyond this. God loves us. It's not just, if you believe one of these things, you would not say in your trial, God, do you not care? You just have to believe one of them. You don't have to believe all of them. Just believe one. Just at least believe you're God's creature and He loves all His creatures. Or just believe that you are a child of God. Or just believe that you're the bride of Christ through His blood. Just one of them. You don't have to believe all of them. Just believe any part of what God said about who He is and you'll know God loves me. God's not looking down unconcerned about me. You see why He calls it little faith? Because they have to believe just a tiny bit of the love of God. Not, not much at all will not let you say God doesn't care. Just a little bit. Well, let's apply this before we move on to the second one, the sovereignty of God. Let's look at Matthew. Let's look at the great faith passage in Matthew. Matthew 15, think you'll be sh- I mean I was shocked I think you'll be shocked at the the great faith too twenty one Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon and behold a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying 
Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So here's great faith. What is it? specifically about the love of God that she believed. Did she, when Jesus said, it's not right for me to take the bread and give it to the dogs, did she say, God, Lord, Jesus, I know that I'm a child of God. I know you care about me. I know you love me. I know that I'm your bride. No, she didn't say any of that. What did she say? She said, God, she said, Lord, Jesus, I know that you care about me at least as much as a master cares for the dogs under the table. That's great faith? That's what great faith is? Yeah, it is. Look at what the disciples did in Matthew chapter 8. They've been walking with Jesus for quite a while now, and they still are having trouble believing that God loves them at all. They're saying, Jesus, do you care that we're dying? And she comes to him and says, I've got a daughter that's sick and I know that you care about me enough that I'm going to keep on even though um, I get some silence, right? She says, Lord, help me. And Jesus says, nothing. And then she keeps on. I know he cares. And then when he finally does answer, he tells her, it's not right for me to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Well, That would stop a lot of people in their tracks. And she says, no, I know he cares about... She says, great, that's good. That's I'll use that. I know you care about me as least as much as a man cares about a dog under his table. I know you do. And he says, great is your faith. You see, she had faith like a mustard seed. She didn't believe... I mean, it would be kind of discouraging, actually, if the story said, and she said, I know 100% I'm the bride... Of, of God. He said so in His Word. I know that I'm a child of God. I know. And she went through all of it. We would kind of be sitting here discouraged because it's hard to believe one of those things during a regular day, isn't it? Right? Do you get up and you, you put on your shoes in the morning and you, you know for certainty, I am so loved by God. I'm His child. And then, and then you know all, you know, you, know you're his, you know you're His bride. You know you're His servant. I don't. I just want to believe one of those things. So what an encouragement, right? What Jesus is saying is if you really believe God loves you just a little bit, that is great faith. Here's the thing. You're going to be walking through this tomorrow, this exact same situation. No, you're not going to be on a boat sinking. But you're going to be in a situation where you have to either believe that God really cares about you or He doesn't. Believe that God sees you or He doesn't. 
And you know what? He does. Even if you're lost. Even if you hate God this morning. You're sitting here and you love TV more than God. You love movies more than God. You, you don't want to be here at all. If that's you, God loves you. God loves you. He does not want you to perish. He wants you to know Him, to repent of your sins. And for, for those of us who have really trusted Christ, He loves us so much more. More than we could ever imagine. Paul prays that we would know the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of the love of God. Jonathan Edwards says that if you knew just a little of the height and the breadth and the width of the love of God for you, you would never be discouraged. That's amazing. Well, we better keep going or we're not going to make it here. Second thing they didn't believe is the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. Don't you care that we're perishing? Save us, Lord, we're perishing. It's almost like, you don't, don't you realize? Don't you see what's going on? Well, look at, look at who he's talking to. God is in the boat. God. God is in the boat and you're worried about dying? Think about the power of God. They didn't believe what the Bible teaches about the power of God. The Bible teaches that God is omnipotent, omnipotent, all-powerful. And Luke one thirty-seven. this is what an angel says to Mary, with God, nothing will be impossible. Jeremiah 32.27, nothing is too hard for you. Right? The God that parted the Red Sea, can He save twelve fishermen in a boat? Absolutely. So what do you have to believe to have peace, to trust God in this situation? You don't have to believe God's all-powerful. Right? You just have to believe God's a little bit powerful. Right? The little gods that, you know, these false gods, they believed in all these false gods in, you know, in the Roman Empire, little gods, right? The God of this, the God of that. Well, God's way more powerful than that. He's the God of all the universe. He's not just going to control this one tiny area. He's in control of the whole, you know, however many billion light years across our galaxy is and our universe is. He's so much bigger. You just have to believe God's a little bit powerful. If you believe God loves you, like a, like a child, and he has just a little bit of power, surely you can trust him. You don't, you don't have to get your mind around that God can do anything. You just have to get your mind around that God can do something. God can do something, and he loves you. He cares about you. What about this? Omniscience. God's omniscience. He's all-knowing. First John 3.20 says, God knows everything. Psalm 139, 1 and 2 you know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. God knew. It's not, they did not have to call out to God, don't you care? It's like, don't you know? Don't you see? Well, yeah, He knows. He knew. He knows. He knew it was going to come before it happened. He knew, he, listen to this, He knew it was going to happen before the world was created. God knows. You know, there's people that believe that God doesn't know the future. It's called open theism. It's like God God just knows what's happening now and whatever's happening right now. God's doing His best. 
right now to make it make it all work. Well, even if you believed that, you wouldn't say, God, you don't care. Because if there's an all-powerful God who didn't realize this storm was coming somehow, it's not true, but even if you believed that, you would know, well, he didn't see this coming, but he's God. Surely he can save us. Surely he can at least get a one of the pieces of the boat we can hang on to that. I mean, that's why he's calling it little faith. You just have to believe God knows something. God has some power. God loves you somewhat. And it's only when you disbelieve all of it that you start saying, God, you don't care about me. God, this situation is out of your control. That's why it's little faith. Well, think about this. Not only that, God is, the Bible teaches that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's wherever you are, God is there. Psalm 139 again, 7 and 8. He says, Where shall I go from your spirit? And where, where shall I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I descend to the to the depths of the sea, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, if the grave, if I die, you're going to be there. And they're crying out like God doesn't know. God's not there. Well, God is there. God's everywhere. You can't go anywhere without God not only knowing what's going on, but God is actually there with you. Right? God is in the boat. Even if Jesus wasn't there, God is in the boat. And that's the same for you and me. Whatever situation you're in right now, God knows. God is in it with you. God has power and love to support you. Think about this. God's wisdom. Romans 16.27 says the only, calls God the only wise God. God. God always chooses the best goals for His creation and the best means to accomplish those goals. That's God's wisdom. He knows the right thing to do. He knows where we're going. And He knows the right way to get there. Think about this. There's not a word that I know of for this. If you can think of one, you should tell me afterwards because I spent a while trying to think of a word for this, but I couldn't think of it. What I'm trying to get across is God is a God that has a purpose for all things. There could be an all-powerful God who just randomly does things and isn't going anywhere, isn't, isn't, um, doesn't have a purpose. But God's not like that. It says in Ephesians that he, it's the God, it, it's Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. So it's not just that there's a, there's a storm and God can stop it. It's that if the storm is there, God purposed it to be there and He's accomplishing something through it. Do you see how much... If you believed one of those things, you wouldn't say, I'm terrified because God doesn't care that I'm dying. No, 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 no. God knows. God is able. God's with you. God is wise. God has a purpose. Back to the great faith. What did she believe? She believed that Jesus had the power to do something. He had the power to heal her, heal her daughter. 
to cast out the demon from a distance. Is that, is that that hard to believe? The all-powerful, omnipotent God who made everything could say to one demon, leave the child and heal one person? The child that He's holding together by the word of His mouth, that He knit together in the mother's womb, that seems pretty doable, right? For God, for the Almighty God, we just have to believe a little bit. We have to have a mustard seed of faith about who God is. You don't have to wrap your mind around everything that God is and God can do, but you do have to believe that He's able and that He cares for you. So to Jesus, it was shocking that people had so little faith. To Jesus, it was shocking for people to be in a sinking boat and to fear instead of having faith in the God that they've known. The God that they heard hundreds and hundreds of stories about Him delivering and delivering and delivering His people and His children, His bride, over and over and over. Isn't it shocking? Don't you see why it's shocking now? Do you see? God, the God who became a man to die for sinners, that God doesn't love Enough to save somebody in a storm? That's ridiculous. That God, the God who spoke everything into existence, He can't help you in the situation you're in right now? You know that's not true. Well, like I said before, tomorrow you're going to be in this situation. You're going to be in a situation exactly like this. You're going to be in a situation that God puts you in. That God is there with you. That He knows why you're there. That He has a purpose for it. That He could change in a moment if He wanted to. Just like He did here. He could stop all the the waves. Right? If the waves are there, God is holding the waves together. Right? He's God. He holds the whole universe together. And so you know wherever you're at tomorrow that God puts you there and God's with you there and God is able to do something. If, he's, if you're there in a storm, if you're there at work, whatever you're doing tomorrow, you're in a situation that God puts you in and you have the opportunity to believe, does God care about me at all today? Is God with me today? Does God know every single piece of my life today? It, all those things are true. Doesn't God love you a little bit? Yes. He loves you a lot. Believe that He loves you at least a little bit. Doesn't God have a little power? Of course. God has a lot of power. What's the results of little faith? The results. Fear. Terror. All the comforts they had in Christ, they, they didn't embrace or receive any of the benefits Because the circumstances were more real to them than God. Just like John was saying in the first meeting. We need to see Him who is unseen, like Moses. We need to to have faith. Not let the circumstances be more real than the God who put us in the circumstances. You know... 
the reason this situation that they're in is just like you're the one you're in tomorrow. You realize it seems like, oh, their life was in danger. Yeah. Their life was held together and dependent on God exactly the same amount in the storm as it was every single other second of their life. Totally dependent on God. And that's the same for you. Right now, sitting in your seat, tomorrow when you go to work, you are 100 dependent on God to be alive. You could die like that. In a thousand different ways. And you have the opportunity to trust God, to believe God, to have faith in God, or to take things in your own hands, start believing lies about God. What would be different in your life and my life if we believed just a little bit, if we had a mustard seed of faith about how much God loves us and about how He's there with us, that He's a sovereign God? Wouldn't your prayers be different tomorrow morning if you woke up and you really believe God loves me more than I love my kids? Right? You wouldn't be thinking, oh, is, does God hear me? Does God want to answer? You would know God wants to answer. God wants me to grow. God wants me to persevere. Yeah. What if you believed just a little bit of how God knows completely where you're at. He, he purposed it for you. That God could have put you anywhere in the world. He could have given you any spouse. He could have given you any job. And He gave you the job that you have now. And that He loves you. That's why He did it. What would your attitude be? If you're trying to get a new job. The God of the universe knows what you need before you ask. God could change it at any moment. God knows completely. God is there with you. God has a purpose for everything in your life. What would we how would we react? Wouldn't we wouldn't it change? Our attitude, wouldn't it change our prayers? Wouldn't it change our contentment, our peace, our joy? We wouldn't be the same, right? We would never be the same if we really believed that God of the universe cares for me actively today and has a purpose for today, for my life. Are you getting angry at circumstances? Well, God knows. And God cares. God loves you. Are you discouraged? Think about the love of God for you. Just start with the creature love and try and work your way up. Are you depressed? Are you anxious and worried? Just a little bit of the love and sovereignty of God will help, help you through it. Look at the compassion of Jesus here. Did He... Hit him over the head? Did he? Was he mean? No, he, he was so tender even in his rebuke. Last thing I'll say is this. I want to say just another word again to you guys here who aren't Christians. The reason tomorrow you're going into a situation just like the disciples are in, what is Jesus calling them to? He's calling them from a lack of faith to faith. Trust me. That's what He's calling you to do. 
Jesus Christ wants you to trust Him. You have two opportunities tomorrow. You can go live your life like there's that God does not care about you, like there's not a God in control. Or you can listen to what Jesus says, see what the Bible says is real, and actually walk in trust to the God who cares, who died for you, who opened a way for you to even know Him by dying for you. There's no greater love. God, think about it this way. For everyone, whether you're lost or you're Christian, what more could God do to convince you that He loves you? Nothing. There's nothing greater than becoming a man and dying for us in our sin. You can't think of anything more that God could do to prove prove His love to you than what He's already done. We have every reason to believe that God loves us. If He gave us, if He gave us the greatest gift, Jesus Christ, what more could we need to be convinced that He loves us? God could give us a thousand worlds, and and that would be less than Jesus. God can make infinite number of of universes, but God only has one Son, and He already gave Him for you if you'll receive Him. So in conclusion, I'll just say this to you. God really does love you. Believe Him just a little bit. What an encouragement that God didn't say, you need to have a ton of faith. No, He said just a mustard seed. Just a must, just a little bit of faith. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. We want our minds corrected. We want, Lord, we do not want false thoughts about you. We want to believe, Lord, help us just to believe a little bit of how much you love us, Lord. We know that it's going to take eternity to just begin to begin to know. But Lord, help us today to start and to know more today than we did yesterday. Lord, I pray for the people going through trials right now. Lord, would you make yourself more real to them than the waves? And Would you just be near to them in a special way? Lord, we, do, we don't want to leave here without praising you. Praise you, God. You're so good. You are, we could never have even imagined a God that loves us, that would want to call us children and, bride, and, a, and his bride. And we're just thankful for it, Lord. We, would you help us to walk in it? Pray for the fellowship time, Lord. We want to love one another. We need your help. And we hand all these things to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.